0: IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back everyone to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. I'm Mark Stenson. I'm here with my co-host, Kirsten Gouldy.
1: Hello everyone and hi, Mark. I'm glad to be back with you for another podcast.
0: And, you know, Kirsten, as we talk about IntelliKey leadership, you know, this idea that individuals, but also companies, are growing into their full potential and seeking their soul's purpose and elevating to a, a higher consciousness. And we're excited about our guest today as people who put their beliefs or their principles into action. And is that a trend that you're seeing with a lot of clients you're working with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mark, it is not only is it a trend, but it's essential, right? And there is a call to action now where apathy cannot be tolerated any longer. And we have to rise and we have to stand and we have to find the courage to use our voice so we can change something because there's a lot happening. You know, as we keep speaking with our guests, we're seeing that there's a lot to be done and each one of us has our place. So yes.
0: Wonderful. Well, it's in that context, we're so happy to welcome our guest today, Sabrina Oso. Sabrina, welcome to our program.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Sabrina is the CEO of an organization called Oso Safe. It's a play on words, both from her name, but it really is a call to action too. O-S-S-O, safe. Sabrina is a TEDx speaker. Uh, She's a consultant in this area of promoting safety and preventing violence uh, in the workplace, in schools, and housing, and really taking a holistic approach that I think we can learn a lot from. And Sabrina, we're just so happy to have you and talk about this important topic. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're curious what you've seen. I mean, oftentimes we hear in the news or you read a little blurb that says violence has really escalated from, let's start with domestic violence. During the pandemic, more people are at home or sort of locked in together. What have you been seeing in this area? What What is your take?
2: Yes, I feel that if you had violence going on, now it has magnified because of the pandemic. So I feel that in households where they are stable, they are—they were always nurturing, they were always loving and understanding and there's compassion, then being in close quarters, they wouldn't resort to violence really. Um, it wouldn't get that far. They would just maybe change schedules a little bit or have certain uh, certain ways of implementing some rules where, look, I need to have my space, I need to have uh, 15 minutes to myself, I need to have a half hour to myself, whenever we uh, need time alone, let's signal to one another, um, let's keep the communication open. I could tell you, families that don't have violence, they've had to adjust, they've had to Rearrange spacing. Their home is now their workplace. Their home is also where the kids learn at school, right? Because everything is virtual. But in homes where there is no violence, it's not a problem. Yes, there's challenges. Schedules have to be changed. Parents have to rearrange certain aspects of their lives. But there was no violence there. So in the homes that that had violence pre-pandemic well now with the pandemic because people are in close quarters and they don't have a workplace to escape to they don't have the school to escape to they don't have their job to call and say look i'm going to be a little late uh because this project has to go out and i have to be here till seven eight o'clock at night it puts off (laughs) It puts off the abuse a little bit longer. I know that sounds weird, but I feel that is the oh-so-safe take on it. In, in families, even children, I would say children that, uh, yes, the stress level has increased because they're not going to school, they're being worried, They're they have anxiety. However, in families where there is a good support system, a good sense of understanding and love and compassion and nonviolence. the pandemic, not that it's a non-issue, but it's not, it's not something that, is, um, that will cause violence uh, because those homes have a good support system. But in homes where home is hell, home is not your sanctuary, home is a war zone, well, it was already a mess. It was already uh, a war zone. Put the pandemic on top of that. Well, forget it. Now, where are you going to run to? Mm -hmm. If your home is not safe and you have a small apartment or even a big house, it doesn't matter. You can hide from your abuser in the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the living room, in the bathroom. They're going to find you. So, I feel like the pandemic has, um, has magnified a problem that was already there in households that already had uh, violence going on. I hope I answered the question.
0: No, you did. Very helpful. And you, know, you mentioned several of these scenarios, like with work and school and so forth. And I'm curious, based on your experience with your organization and your work, what is the role and responsibility of, say, the employer or the school? to, I guess, be aware or watch for the signs of this kind of problem?
2: Yes, excellent question. I built my business on three pillars, focusing on schools, workplaces, and places of residence. We focus on the place of residence first, your home. Your, like I said, your home should be your sanctuary. It shouldn't be a war zone. If homes are not safe, workplaces will not be safe and schools will not be safe. Home is home base. So schools, universities and workplaces, their function is to let's say hire Oh So Safe and say, look, we need to have training. We need to have education for our employees, upper managers and supervisors, how to handle these situations. What are the warning signs? And to make the connection between home and work, home and school, you cannot have a workplace safe unless you do, unless you address it in the home first. You cannot have schools and, and universities safe unless you address it in the home first. So, for example, all of the school shootings, even the workplace violence, if you trace back the perpetrator's home life, it was very bad. There was violence, they were involved in bad relationships, they were the cause of bad relationships, and having possession of guns, it just exacerbated the whole situation. So this is a very important part, uh, a very important concept to know that it must start in the home, we must make home safe first. Because it's not enough that you do your job with your child. If you have your child, and you, you, um, or even your significant other, you, you are a loving, understanding, compassionate family. But you go to work, and your boss is a bully. For example, and they are very demanding. They are verbally disparaging even throwing things out you at you, maybe snatching paper from you, maybe humiliating you. Same thing with the school. If your child is sitting next to a Nicholas Cruz and Adam Lanza, uh, these are the shooters of Parkland and uh, Sandy Hook, respectively, just to name two. It's not enough that you do your job with your child. They have to do their job as well. So, This is a very important concept that we are trying to convey to the public eye, in the public eye. uh, We must make a concerted effort to make homes safe. And we're doing this at Safe by combining education and technology. I can elaborate more on that, but the focus has to be in residency because once you go to work, you are your job's responsibility uh, but the root of the problem is at home. Once you go, you're on a college campus, a university campus, or a school school grounds. You as a child, you are your school's responsibility, but the focus has to be in the home. So we're saying, look, get your properties also safe certified, get your schools also safe certified, get your workplaces also safe certified. And I could elaborate more on that because we combine education and technology. If we don't do that, if we don't make the home, the focal point in this equation, things are not going to get better. I can tell you from personal experience, I am a former victim of violence. My father beat my mother on a regular basis. So I know exactly the trauma, the horror, the pressure, the chaos that goes into, uh, I would go to school and you know, you're expected to get good grades, uh, be participate in school activities, but your mind is always, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen when I get home? What's gonna happen when I get home? My mother bought something, uh, dad is going to beat her up. Uh, police are going to come to the residence. All of these things are going in your mind whether you are an employee, whether you are a student. Yeah, so I I know I go off on a tangent a little bit, but I hope I answered your question. And I I also could state some statistics. For example, in the workplace, there are 2 million incidents of workplace violence that occurs each and every year in the United States. That comes out to be about 33,000 per week, and of those 17 result in a murder. That's just in the workplace. There are 15 million children that witness violence in their own homes each and every year. You divide that by 50 states, that comes out to be about 300,000 children per state. And I know that Texas is a much bigger state than Rhode Island. It's all relative. However, the numbers don't lie. And I need to add, as I say in my TEDx talk, those statistics are just the ones that are documented so, that's not even including people that are not reporting it. it it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic pre COVID, never mind in the middle of COVID. You know, yeah,
0: it's very dramatic.
2: This conversation is very personal to me. So, one, thank you
1: for your work. It is thank you. brilliant and it's needed. Um and I have a couple questions for you but I'm going to relay it through my personal experience because I think sure. it's the best way to illustrate the question. So people have heard Marcus heard I am also a survivor of domestic violence and sexual abuse. It just was what it was. In my experience, and it even went further into my family and into my workplace, and this was only a few years ago. What's interesting to me about what you're speaking, I agree, it starts in the home because from that place, you're just going to end up in environments that you have no tools to allow yourself to move to safer, safer ground. My questions stem from these. Systems and institutions are not set up to support it. What do I mean by that? When I was finally in a position to address my domestic violence, the female judge said, well, you were with him for 11 years. How bad could he be? Proceeded to give custody to him. The therapist protected him. The lawyers protected him. The court system protected him. I was begging for help. A restriction order did not help. And this incident is not uncommon, right? In schools where I grew up, where I was raped by those men, the schools just avoided dealing with it. So, and even as a single parent with my daughters going to school, as we were going through the trauma, people would tell me everybody has trauma, deal with it. My question to you is about the institutions that are designed to protect.
2: Where are they? Excellent point. Excellent point, Kirsten. First of all, let me say I'm so sorry this happened to you, to your family. And it it takes a lot of courage to say this. I mean, you and Mark obviously know each other, but you and I were strangers. So it takes a lot of courage to say this out loud. And I, I feel you. I feel you right here. And I'm so glad that, can I ask you, is he out of your life Oh, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. My children okay. and I are a hundred percent safe. And, you know, to be clear, we've done an incredible amount of work, which is why I have my daughters, both my daughters permission to speak
2: to this because right. we are huge advocates. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that. I agree with you 100, a thousand percent that the institutions of society, they fail in multiple regards from the police all the way to the judges And we're not we would think that it's 2021 how can this be still happening it's like as if we're still governing or making these uh, appearing in court like in like as if it's 1950 or 1975 and things have not gotten better really awareness has gotten better but as far as the system they make horrible situations even worse and I could speak from personal experience, even child protective service agencies, they and I say this in my TEDx talk, they fail child victims and embolden the abusive parent. Our biggest product that we are introducing into the real estate industry is called the Oso oh Safe certification. With that is the Oso oh Safe Home Sweet Home Package. This consists of a policy, a seminar, and an app. I'm going to explain what that is. The path of least resistance right now is the landlord-tenant portion of the real estate industry. We want this to propagate over all residency, but right now we're focusing on the landlord-tenant uh, portion of the real estate industry. And we're saying, look, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord or property manager, hire us. We will get your properties also safe certified where everyone gets educated all tenants whether they're new or existing facts statistics warning signs definitions of abuse the difference between abuse and discipline everyone has to sign a policy and the policy states and this is all copywritten the policy states i as a landlord i promise to provide you a safe space for you to live you in turn as my tenant you promise to not act in any way shape or form that is abusive Otherwise you the abuser only gets immediately evicted from the premises and we go into full knowledge knowing that that would be the consequences because there's a waiver in the policy. And then the rest of the family can stay in the unit provided that they could still pay the rent. In an Safe certified property we have therapists on staff assigned to the building that they could call upon to say look. And it's a part of residency it becomes a part of residency there is no um it's a required condition of residency in an Oso safe certified property and you are required to check in with your therapist once a month it's part of the rent check in with your therapist is everything okay do you see anything looming uh do you see any problems and if there are then the education is the first level of certification The second level of certification gets implemented if there is violence that occurs. And we have an app that will detect violence. So that way it removes the he said, she said factor. For example, a 10 unit building, you have the technology installed. Wow, I just saw he just beat the crap out of her or she just beat the crap out of him in unit two and in unit 10, well, look, I have it right here. This is grounds for eviction you have to leave the premises you signed the policy you were educated this is the app you had the therapist to help you with this you did not do what what you needed to do in an oso safe certified property you are held to a higher regard a higher standard you need to go if they don't leave that's when police are called and they need to they need to vacate it's part of the oso safe certification so that way it maintains property reputation, it mitigates liability, your vacancy rates will drop, and your tenants will feel safe. Now, this we're looking to do this across all residency, whether you rent, whether you own, whether you have a mortgage or not. This becomes a part of residency. With this, you don't need lawyers, you don't need mediators, you don't need child protective service agencies. You don't need parent coordinators. You don't need to spend money on lawyers that really don't do that. Really, they do their best, but in a way they make matters worse. And you certainly don't need the judges that, quite frankly, I agree with you, Kirsten, a thousand percent. They are unqualified, incompetent, in a word, ignorant. They have no business order. What they should order on, they don't and what they don't order on, they do. And it makes matters worse, horrible matters worse for that child, that abused child. But in an Safe certified property, you don't need any of that because we took care of it as a condition of residency, a mandatory standard condition of residency. Forget the courts because they don't know what the hell they're doing in plain English. They don't know what the hell they're doing anyway. I know if I had this growing up, my reality as a child would have been much different on a positive note, on a positive level. And this removes the responsibility of safety out of the victim's hands. It becomes part of residency. It becomes part landlord and part tenant. And this makes, um, makes better residency. And we're saying to the landlord, look, If you get your properties also safe certified, your property will be worth more and your insurance rates will go down. So that way you're rewarded as a landlord financially. And that's how it should be. That's how we are. um, We're introducing this into the market. I want to know your thoughts because you experienced this and this is what we are introducing into the real estate industry. Yes, I I want to know your thoughts. (laughs) I truly believe
1: it's brilliant. What I love about it is the aspect of the therapy, because as you know, many who are abused because the healing is not taking place continue to go back. I was one of those statistics. I didn't make the right decisions. And that also supported putting my children in danger because I just wasn't equipped And I had a lot of legacy pain I had to address in healings to the point where I could rise. So that healing aspect to me is huge because victims don't know how to get out. They just
2: don't. Right. And we're saying, don't get out. Why should you get out? You're the victim. You stay right where you are. In fact, it's the title of my TEDx talk. If you're a victim of home violence, don't leave, stay because it's the abuser that has to be evicted. If the abuser is a rapist, a pedophile, a sex trafficker, a sexual predator, they're beating up on the family like my father did to my mother, he's the one that needed to leave. And the sooner that you nip this in the bud, the more likely that the victim family will be able to become a functioning member of society because the fear is removed, the abuser is removed. They're not allowed back because it's now a standard condition of residency. And to your point, therapy, there are inadequate therapists out there, but there are many therapists that are very good. And you may have to try on a few therapists on for size, for example, Um, it's not a one size fits all, let it be Okay. We are big, gigantic proponents of therapy. Therapy has helped me tremendously. I would not be here without therapy. And we make this part of residency, a part of your daily life. And this needs to be a practice. This cannot be one and done. You never know what life is going to throw at you. And if you're in a violent relationship, it is hell to live that way. You're not living. You're just surviving. I know. And you know, you know what that is. We know what that is. And to your point, judges, I have sat in cases and I am going through some personal, um, personal matters that is beyond the scope of this interview at this time. But these judges, I am appalled, appalled that these judges do not mandate therapy, for the family the violent family the the parents or the whether they're divorced or whether they're not divorced is irrelevant mandate therapy for the parents and they don't this is goes back to how in in a word ignorant how ignorant they are and they make matters worse i i feel for you kirsten i'm so sorry that that judge said what and, and it was a female judge. You would think a female judge would be more understanding or I don't know, but it, it's clear that I never built my business on focusing on that women are the victims because that's not true in every case. Abuse is abuse, no matter what the gender, the, the hand occupies. If you're a male victim, if you're a female victim, if you're a child, you're always the victim, hands down. It's traumatic either way, either way, it's traumatic. So you could be six foot four as a man and be with a five foot four woman who is abusive. And so men go through that uh, stereotype. What's the matter with you? Man up. She's five foot four. What do you mean she had you in a headlock? Come on, you're six four. What is what is your problem? So they go through their. Uh, trials and tribulations, but at also oh safe. Anybody could be a victim, male, female. If you have ten toes, twenty toes. Uh, if you're black, white, Hispanic, Japanese, whatever religion, whatever nationality, and the children suffer the most. I was one of those children, so I hope I answered your question. Uh, thank you for your feedback but we are really introducing and implementing this in the real estate industry. And this has to be a paid service. This is another thing that I, I get upset about.
0: Well, this is what I was gonna ask you about, Sabrina. Uh, sure. You know, obviously <laughs> this is a very personal and emotionally charged topic. And I really feel your passion coming through. And you have elevated to our topic of IntelliKey, you have elevated the passion and personal to a business level, and to provide some leadership and structure in an organizational way. And I was very curious how you took the steps to do that. You're no longer just an advocate, personal level. You, you have a company that does this kind of thing. How has the mindset been different for you as you went into a more of a business mindset?
2: Mark, I thought about becoming a nonprofit early on uh, when I first started thinking about my business and how am I going to do, th- do this? This is a big undertaking. And I knew what I wanted. I knew what I, the vision for for Oso oh Safe. I mean, I didn't start out with that name at all. And then when I investigated, though, to become a nonprofit and what was involved, I said, wait a minute, this is not what I want. There's plenty of nonprofits out there that deal with domestic violence, right? So, and we're still in the same boat. We're still with the problems. The statistics are what they are. If what we have been doing was working, those statistics would be diminishing, not increasing, essentially. So, and I say this in my TEDx talk, so long as we, so long as we see this, as a nonprofit, as a charity, it's never going to get resolved, never. Because essentially, with a nonprofit, a charity, we're saying we're holding a bucket, waiting for donations to drop in that bucket. And we're, we are a nonprofit, it's an afterthought. It's on the back burner. And somebody has to be making money in order for the nonprofit to survive, right? So because they get their money from someone who is making money. Well, I want to be the one making money. I want to be the one resolving the problem. As we say at Safe. victims don't need pity. They don't need handouts. What they need are solutions. They need resolution. So I said to myself, no, um, this has to be something that is a paid service that people pay for it. So that way it actually gets resolved. I hope I answered your question.
0: Well, certainly. So Sabrina, what a terrific conversation. And before we close, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you, how to connect with you and your organization and how to follow your work.
2: Sure. My website is ososafe.com. My direct email is sabrina at ososafe.com. I am on all the major social social media platforms: uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Alignable, Instagram. My TEDx talk is broadcast, and yeah, I, I would say my website is the point of contact to book us for speaking engagements, for any for seminars, workshops, for our technology. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Sabrina, as we conclude our conversation, first of all, thank you for your openness. And, you know, we often throw around this word authenticity, don't we, uh, Kirsten? But this we is do. the definition of an authentic conversation. We just can't thank you enough.
1: Mm. And thank you. you know, I just Mark, I'd like to highlight something too. You are an advocate for many who need voice and, you know, you have not experienced these things, but yet you continue to show up for all of us anyway. So I feel it's important for our listeners. It's not it's not just about the victims that are speaking, it's about those that stand regardless and hold, our, hold the hands, right? You, we did the series on Amplify Black Voices, that was your idea. We've talked to indigenous folk, that was your idea. We have these leaders and you continue to be in these uncomfortable conversations. So I think it's important to highlight that because for the listeners who haven't experienced the trauma this is how you do it. This is an example of the support that's needed.
0: I appreciate that. And I guess it's it with that backdrop, uh, Sabrina, I wanted to give you that chance to say, if, if you were face-to-face, I mean, our podcast is listened to by leaders of all kinds. They might be CEOs of organizations. They might be heads of nonprofit. They might be political uh, leaders. But what would you say to them personally? You would say, look, I want to talk to you leader to leader. Where do you need us to elevate around this topic?
2: We need to understand that you have the right to be safe in your own home, that there is no excuse for any violence whatsoever. And I am willing to be these leaders spokesperson to really shed light in a way that's never been done before through my products and services that I am introducing, because I feel that everyone will benefit from this, whether you go through violence or not. You have the right to be safe at home. Abuse should not be a part of anyone's life, hands down. Uh, And just because you are a parent, it doesn't give you the right to abuse your child. I mean, I could go on and on, but I feel that leaders, I am willing to speak to them. I am willing to sit down with them at any point in time to really help me to catapult me and my business so far ahead where every property is also safe certified on, on a business standpoint, from a business standpoint, it's better residency, better business period.
0: Very powerful. Well, Sabrina Oso has been our guest and you can connect with her at ososafe.com. And as she mentioned a very emotional Ted talk that you can find online. Kirsten, I think as we continue these conversations with leaders who are not only expressing their beliefs and experiences, but putting them into action, it's just, it's so inspirational, isn't it?
1: It is truly <laughs> inspirational. And if we had more leaders like Sabrina, we'd be in a much different place than we are. So I hope people reach out and ask, what can I do to support what she's doing and others that we've talked to If it, you know, whatever is your light, whatever your torch is to carry, reach out to those leaders and find out how you can line in and support.
0: I agree. And along that line, I'm reminded that Sabrina was referred to us by another listener and and supporter of the podcast. And so if you're listening and you say, I I have somebody who you guys should interview, Kirsten and I will always open to those suggestions. So be sure to refer a potential guest if you'd like. And listeners, come back again next time. We'll continue these conversations with IntelliKey leaders. And this word IntelliKey, meaning to rise above the day-to-day, pursue your soul's purpose, pursue your full human potential. And that's what people and leaders like Sabrina are doing. Join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson. We'll see you next time.
1: You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.
0: If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world, from singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management. We talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas in inspiring your creative thinking. You can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.